Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the jar. We're so glad you're here. Uh, my name is Chris, and uh, the reason why there are some people still greeting one another is because we used to call this the Love Shack, and uh, not in a weird way, although that sounded really weird right then, so uh, if you're here for the first time, just ignore that, but uh, we do love God, and we love people in this place, and we're glad you're here. Hey, if you guys would, um, there's a card in your program I'd like you all to pull out. It looks like that, and it's called our Get Connected card. And so if you could uh, fill that out for us, uh, we would appreciate it. And then uh, later on, we'll actually go ahead and uh, collect that and receive that. And so if you could uh, fill that card out for us, uh, we would appreciate it. Uh, We promise we won't uh, send you any spam or knock on your door, but just a way for us to to connect with you. Well, uh, I'm really excited today. For you to meet a good friend of mine, uh, Shane Brooks, and uh, Shane's story is really cool. Um, about 11 years ago, um, he was at his neck in debt, both he and his family, uh, to a point where they didn't see any hope, and uh, they found themselves uh, in a chair, maybe similar to where you're sitting right now, and they came to church, and he accepted Christ, and uh, drew Uh, closer to that, and uh, since that time, he has become debt-free, except for a reasonable mortgage, so uh, that's very, yeah, you can give him a hand for that. And kind of the thing that changed his life was the fact that he put God first in his finances, and uh, he took a class that now he teaches called Financial Peace University, and I want you to hear about that class And for some of you, if you want to know how to do better with your money, and maybe if you're battling debt, how to stop uh, drowning, uh, that this could be your lifeline uh, today. And so we're glad that uh, you're here. I know you're going to be teaching a class, Shane, uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, why don't you tell us just a little bit about the class, when it starts, uh, what happens with that. Sure. So... uh Financial Peace University is a nine-week study course on uh, personal finance. It teaches you how to handle money, um, (coughs) excuse me, God and Grandma's way. Um, Our class is going to start February 26th. We'll meet, or uh, it'll be at 6 to 7.30 p.m. for for nine weeks. Okay. And uh, where's it going to meet at? And then is there a cost to it? And what, what does that look like? Yeah, so we will meet at the JAR office, and the cost is $93. Um, the $93 will buy your very own study kit that we will use at each class, and you will keep that. Um, I know for some people, $93 is kind of a, it's hard to come up with sometimes on short notice. But, uh, you know, the, the truth is, is if we just kind of avoid the, the fast food restaurants or even, you know, Starbucks for a couple weeks, that $93 will come pretty quick sometimes. So uh, we find with our class that um, for some people, uh, after the nine weeks, they've saved their first ever um, $1,000 emergency fund in cash, and most people will pay off about $500 in debt um, by the end of the class. So Yeah. Um, I didn't tell you this, but I just got the story yesterday. So there was someone... Um, they were $120,000 in debt 
uh, in uh, 14, so 2014, and they've cut it by sixty thousand uh, dollars within that five years. And so, uh, Did they go to my class? yeah, they went to your class. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God for that. <clears throat> I want to know who that is. You don't have to tell me now. Yeah, I won't. But. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I got that, and I was like, wow, it's really cool uh, what happens with that. Um, let me just be as straight as I can. If you're drowning in debt, folks, the only way you get out of debt is if you get a life preserver. And the life preserver that you could use is this class, Financial Peace. So uh, if you've been going on, like, year after year, going, I'm going to change this year, because, like, it's February 18th. And some of you had a New Year's resolution six weeks ago that you were going to stop doing the crazy and you kind of got sucked back into that. So the one sure way that you can get out of that uh, is to take the class and really learn some tools uh, to be able to do that. Now, Shane, if people are like today, I'm in. I'm tired of the crazy. Um, How can they be a part of the class? Yeah, so there's a few ways you can do it. Um, I think on your uh, Connect card, there's a box on the upper right-hand corner. If you just check that whenever you turn it in, we will contact you and give you all the class details. Um, I think you have an insert or should have that looks like this that's in your um, your welcoming package here. Um, that kind of gives you the details too. But as far as signing up, you can check the Connect card. Um, also, if, you're, if you use the JAR app on your cell phone, If you go to uh, sign up, I believe it is, on that icon, you can go into there and it'll have financial peace on that. You can fill it out that way. Um, Also, it's on the JAR website. You can fill it out that way. Okay, cool. And uh, if anyone has any questions, they're like maybe, you know, teeter-totting. I'm not sure. I'm on the fence. Um, could they come over and just talk to you? Kind of? Yeah, so after church, I, I have a table set up here. Um, you guys feel free to stop by. I can answer questions that you may have. Or if you're on the fence, I hope I can sway you. It'll be life-changing, and I hope you guys will stop by. All right. Well, hey, let's give uh, Shane a hand uh, for sure. Thanks, Shane. Well, let's go ahead and uh, pray, and then we'll dive into our teaching today. Let's pray. Well, God, we uh, thank you so much for the fact that you uh, never leave us alone. And we thank you, Lord, that um, not only are you present with us uh, when everything is going well in our life and financially everything is good, but, God, that you're with us when we struggle and that we never have to go through this life alone. And so I pray for people today, God who uh, are here, that not only would you remind them that you're present with them, but I also ask this morning, God, that for many of them, that they would take the class, take a step towards financial freedom. And I ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, you might come right now and you would guide your servant so we would learn how to put you first in everything that we do, including our finances, so that your name would be made great. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had a financial opportunity that didn't turn out well? Anybody want to say that was you? All right. Uh, Let me tell you about the first one that I could remember. I was in high school, and a buddy came up to me and he said, Dude! 
Do you want to get $100 by only giving $10? I'm like, sign me up, you know? I only have to give $10 and I'm going to get 100 back? He's like, yeah. I said, well, what do I got to do? He said, well, you give me your $10 and then you go find 10 other people to give $10. And pretty soon, not only will you have $100, but you'll have even more than that. Now, this particular type of investment has a name attached to it. Does anyone want to know what it's called? Yeah, pyramid scheme. That's what it is. It's a pyramid scheme, and the guy on the top keeps making more, and he just get it out further and further. And I was like, well, I'm in. So I went out, and I got seven of my buddies to give $10 to this guy, and then guess what happened? He moved schools. And this is what took place. I lost my $10, and I lost the trust of seven friends. My wife, Jennifer, uh, we had only been married just a few months, and I walked into the apartment uh, one evening, and she ran to me. She's like, honey, I've got a surprise for you. Oh, it's wonderful. You're just not going to believe it. This is what it is. And she handed me a paper that looked like this. It'll come up on the side screens. She had a paper that said something similar to this. We didn't have cell phones back then. That's how old I am, okay? But... $99 for a cruise to the Bahamas. And I looked at her. I said, did you already pay for this? She goes, yep, two tickets. We're heading there. Well, I took the piece of paper and I started reading. First of all, you had to get to Florida before you got to the Bahamas. And then there were all of these additional costs that were not a part or associated with the $99. And it was a cruise that your food was free, but every drink you had to pay for. And my wife at that time was drinking a lot. I'm just, yeah, no, I'm joking. <laughs> we were just married, you know, doing with me. So, so I'm like, added everything up. I'm like, honey, this isn't $99. This is $500 a piece. And we were in credit card debt up to our necks. There was more money going out than there was more than there was money coming in. And I'm like, this can't happen. And she started tearing up and I did not care. And I was not a good husband. And we had a conversation and it started getting, it started getting heated. And I finally just yelled, and I said, call him back and cancel it. And she goes, I can't. They told me I can't. It's like, give me that phone number. So I called, and they told me I can't either, okay? And we kept calling back and back and back until finally uh, we found an operator that allowed us to get out of it, and we got out of it. And we did not go to the Bahamas, but we went to this tropical location right here. (laughs) Anybody know where that's at? Mound State Park. That's where it was. Mound State Park. Folks, everybody has a story about money. We all have a money story. Because money tells a lot about ourselves. If you want to know what people value, if you want to know the priorities in their life, then all you have to do is look at their bank statement and it will tell you what 
matters most to them. Now, for those of us in this gym today, if I were to ask you what is the thing that you are most committed to, most of you would say, it's God. It's God. But the real interesting question that I would want to ask is this. Would the way that you handle your money confirm what your mouth says? Does the way that you handle your money confirm what your mouth says? You know, the Bible speaks to this topic of money more than anything else except the kingdom of God. And today I want us to look at one of the most amazing statements ever given in Scripture, where God actually asks us to test Him, to take a test. It's found in Malachi chapter 3, and Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And Malachi was a present-day pastor. He was a prophet, that was his title, but he would be like a pastor today. And God gives him some information to share to his people who were the people of Israel. And this is what he says. It'll come up on the side screen. If you want, you can read along or on the app uh, as well or in the program. In verse 7, God speaking says this. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord God Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. The only place in Scripture where it says this. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store. Folks, our God is a generous God, and he desires human beings to be generous just like he is. And so I want to give you kind of the big idea that we want to take home this week, and it's this, that God really wants you to live to give. He wants you to live a life that you give. Now, there are a lot of people that live for the moment. There are a lot of people that live and learn. There are a lot of people that live and then die. But there are very few people in this world who actually live to give. And yet that's exactly the type of life that God wants all us to live, a a life of generosity. Now, the central concept and the concrete practice that is found in Scripture is a term called tithing. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, some of you have uh, been tithing for many years. Some of you practice that regularly. And you're some of the most generous people I know. I learn from you by the way that you give uh, so graciously and generously. But if you're here today for the very first time, or you're here and you don't really know too much of the church thing or the God thing, you're just checking it all out, don't freak out. 
We're only going to talk about this topic this week and next week that I think will impact many people's lives. And then for the rest of the year, folks, we talk about scrapbooking and sex, okay? So if you don't like today, it will get a lot better for the rest of the year, okay? Some of you are like, okay, I won't be here next week, but starting March, I am there. You know, I'm down. All right. So, but if, if this isn't, if you're not a Christ follower, I want you to know, uh, don't freak out about anything, but I want to teach you something that the Bible has to say about this concept of tithing. I've focused the teaching directly on you to understand, okay, what does that mean? What does that thing kind of mean? So we're going to dive in and we're going to look specifically at uh, trying to ponder some questions. We have questions every time when it comes to money, and so we're going to ponder some, you might call them uh, class 101 uh, kind of questions on tithing. Tithing 101. Here's the first question. What exactly is tithing? What exactly is tithing? Well, it comes from a Hebrew word that means one-tenth. One-tenth or ten percent. That's what the word means. So the practice was for the Israelites that they would bring one-tenth of what they had to God. And I share this because sometimes people take that word tithe and they throw it around very loosely. For example, I've heard this before. A person will come up and go, man, I tithed $10 uh, this week. I'm like, oh, okay. Now, if a tithe is 10%, what was that person's salary for the week, a hundred dollars. You're not as math challenged as the first celebration, people. Okay, <laughs> but the reality is, if you didn't make a hundred, if you made more than that, that's not a tithe. That's not ten percent. That's just an offering, a gift that you gave. So this whole concept is ten percent or one tenth. Now. Here's the second question. Why does the Bible, what does the Bible have to say about tithing? What does the Bible have to say about tithing? Well, it actually has a whole lot to say, and it actually says that it's not optional. The book of Leviticus says this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the tree, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In other words... What it doesn't say is give when you feel like it, give when you can afford it, give when you feel led. God says, this tithe is already mine, and so I want you to bring it to me. Now, of course, we know that the whole world is God's. Every single gift we have, the clothes you're wearing, the car you drove in, uh, the food you ate this morning, everything you receive is a gift from God. And what God is saying is, I want to teach you that the law of the kingdom of God, if you want it to work right, is that a part of that is that you bring this tithe, this 10%, because it belongs to me, it's mine. You live to give. In fact, this gets reflected in, in language in the Bible. In Second Chronicles, God is talking to the people of Israel and he says this. They, what's the word, next word? 
they brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also, what's the next word? They brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them in heaps. Now, I want you to notice that word brought, and then in Malachi, what's the word that he begins at the very beginning? He says what? What's the word? It's bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. In the Bible, it actually talks about bringing a tithe, not giving a tithe. And it's no accident that God said it that way. Because I can only give something that doesn't, because I cannot give something that doesn't belong to me. If it's your possession... I can't give it to you because it's yours. I simply have to bring it. I can bring it to you, but I cannot give it to you. God says, I want you to think of the tithe this way. Now, I've shared with uh, you before, but my wife Jennifer and I, when we first got married, uh, we lived in two separate apartments the first year of our marriage, and I lived in Lafayette, she lived here in Muncie, and we paid for two apartments, and we made $16,000. That's what it was. And the cost of the apartments were $400 and and $400, uh, the same. So that's what we had. And so when it came to giving to God, because we were so far in credit card debt and overwhelmed, we were not able to give a tithe, or we didn't think so at that time, because we had not taken the Financial Peace University class. And so what we did was we gave 5% and we said, God, we'll increase it by 1% until we get to the time. And once we got to five years of our marriage, ever since then, we have continued to bring our tithe to the local church. Because this is where I learn about God. This is where I learn from you. This is my spiritual home, and this is where I give that tithe. And anything above and beyond the tithe, which we give both here to the church, but also to other places that causes and uh, different organizations that we desire, we do that as well. But God says, I want you to regard this tithe as mine. Here's question number three. What if I am unable to tithe? What if I am unable to tithe? Now, let's put that aside, the tithing concept, just for a second. I just want to talk about giving for a moment. I read an article this week from a professor at Syracuse University named Arthur Brooks, and he writes about how there are scores and scores, millions and millions of Americans who never give anything. I mean, not to the little red kettle bucket at Christmas time, They just don't give anything to any charity or to anyone. And when they were asked, why don't you give, the number one answer that he found in his research was, I cannot afford to. I don't have enough money. 
They're like, hey, you know, I got a generous heart and I want to, and I would give more. If I could afford to give more, I'd give more. If I had more money, I would give it away. Now, here's what's interesting. The I can't afford to give reason is used more by upper level income people than it is by lower income people. That's what they found. Several years ago, uh, we didn't have it in the budget, but we had some technology needs that we had to take care of. And um, so we had this fund that we developed called the Techno Challenge. And what we did was uh, we basically asked our top giving people in the church if they would give above and beyond their tithe to be able to help with this. Now, I've never known what people give financially. I don't want to know. That's between you and God. But I had this list of names because I had to send a letter out asking them to be a part of it. And I'm looking down, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I think they missed this one guy. Because this one guy I know, he makes well over six figures, and I'm sure that it was an oversight. And so I went to our financial director at the time, and I said, hey, I noticed that so-and-so's name wasn't there. And, uh, you know, I just figured it was an oversight. I'm sure he's one of our top givers. And he said, Chris, I hate to bust your bubble, but he's not one of our top givers. I'm like, oh, okay, but, you know, he gives. And he's like, no, he didn't give any. There's a lady that I know who lives on disability who struggles to just make ends meet by the end of the month. And she ties every month. A couple of years ago, her disability uh, process got interrupted. And for a couple of months, she wasn't able to get a disability check. And she still gave her tie. And I'm thinking, like, how do you do that? And she had saved him enough back to give. And it's the most challenging story I've ever received here at the jar before of this woman. And she challenges me all the time. And you can talk to the staff. I'm cheap. I mean, I am cheap. And I make sure every dollar that's given for this church, we use it well. They get mad sometimes because the church office is cold. I'm like, get a heater. You know, like we don't need to spend all this money because I think of every single person, but I think specifically of that woman who's on disability, who tithes every week. And I tell myself, we will use that money wisely. Part of that article that I read also said that on average, on average, people with more money do not necessarily give more. They actually give less of a percentage of their salary or their income than people who have less. I mean, we live with this illusion that if I just had more, I'm telling you, if I just had more, I would give more away. But that's not the reality. Because when you look across the United States, this is what the study showed regarding people's income. It'll come up on the side screen. People who, give, who make under $25,000, they gave 7.7%. People who made twenty-five to 50000 gave 4.6%. People who made fifty to 75,000, 3.5%. 75 to 100,000, 3%. 100 to 200,000 dollars, 2.6%. And 200,000 or more, 
So that means people who are millions and millions and millionaires, billionaires, people who give a lot or who make a lot, 2.8% is what they give. Because they can't afford to give more, folks. They can't afford to give more. Folks, let me ask you, how does this happen? Like, how does it happen? Well, I want to give you an example today. What I have before me is apple pie from Bob Evans. We have a lady that works or attends our church. She's a, she's a manager there. She cut me a deal, and uh, we have this apple pie. And what I'd like you to imagine right now is that this apple pie is all the different things that you have to divvy up in a month. So let's say that all of you, I know you have to uh, live somewhere, so let's just say that your house payment and some of your house payments, whoo, they're big. Because the thing is, you got to have a really nice house. And your house has to have nice kind of, uh, what do you call it, uh, landscaping on the outside. And so this is a lot of your house that you got to put uh, in there. And man, it's not just a house, but you got to have nice furniture in that house. And uh, that house payment, though, and all the stuff that you put in that house, I mean, it's expensive. And so there you go. There's your house right there. And that's good. Now, next thing, uh, some of you, you got to have a car payment because you can't just drive any old car. You got to have a really nice car. I mean, you look good in your car, don't you? Like when you drive your car, people notice it and they're like, they got a nice-looking car. So you got to get that car payment out a little bit. Ooh, man, some of you got a really nice car. Um, and so you got, you got to pay a lot, and it's a lot of car payment for you to kind of get out, and, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of your, your, your car payment. Now, the next thing for some of you, um, what you have is that some of you shop till you drop, don't you? I mean, you go to the mall, and it just sucks you in. And so you're like, hey, I'm not going to pay for that now. I'm going to put it on my plastic card. So you got some credit card debt uh, that you have to do. And so you take that piece of pie and you put that there, too, because some of you got a lot of credit card. And uh, then on top of that, unfortunately, some of you have kids. (laughs) And kids are expensive, aren't they? Like kids, they cost you money. And so you've got these kids that you have to pay for. And, you know, it's not cheap because you get them involved in all this stuff. And it's like, you know, piano practice and swimming. And, uh, you know, you got all this kind of stuff going on. Piano and uh, soccer, swimming. Uh, I don't know what else you have. Some of you know what it is, but there you go. And you have to do that with your kids. And then we know that you just can't, you know, live your life without the Internet. So you have to pay for your internet bills, and you got to pay for uh, things like, you know, cable. Got to have cable, ESPN. Got to survive. And uh, then some of you got to have a phone. And no one has a flip phone anymore. You know what I mean? Like you got to have a really smartphone. So you take that out, and that's it. And you take all of that stuff out, and maybe some other expenses uh, that you have with that. And then finally, you look at all this, and you're like, what about myself? Why can't I have some stuff just for myself? And so you go ahead and you get a little bit more 
for yourself and you're like, wow, I need some stuff just for myself. And that's it. And you get a little bit more. You're like, ooh, I like a little bit more stuff for myself. And you put that on there. And then finally, you're done. And you look at your pie. And all of a sudden, it hits you. God. Where is God? And then all of a sudden, you get in here and you're like, here you go. And what we tend to do, folks, is we tend to give to God our leftovers. That's what we do. We tend to do it. Now, here's the truth. I know you guys, or I know a lot of you. You're good people. You don't want to be ungenerous. The problem is you just kind of slip into giving God the leftovers. And folks, God's plan for human beings was never the leftover plan. Because tithing and generosity is a part of his plan. And neither of those things will ever happen if you just always decide that this is the leftovers that I'm going to give to him. And there's a principle in the Bible that's very similar to tithing. It's called first fruits. And the Bible was an agrarian uh, society. Everything was based on agriculture. So crops, uh, trees, uh, your animals. And so they would honor God by giving off right at the top. So when the first tree came up, they would take a piece of yarn or string and they would put around it and they'd say, that is given to God. And then they would keep the other nine. So they would honor God off the top. And Proverbs says this, honor the Lord your God with the first fruits of all your crops, that your barns will be filled to overflowing. Now, the idea is that every time you get paid, the very first thing I do with my money is I grant the first portion, I set it aside for God. I say, God, right off the bat, this belongs to you. And so what happens is God says, here's a whole pie. It's yours. This is everything that I'm giving to you. And what I'd like you to do is to give, not just give, but what was the word again? Bring the very first 10% to me. And so if I take that 10% and I place it here and Give it to God first. I think we should have done a different pie than the apple pie. I don't know. (laughs) But if I give that to God first, this is what happens. You look at this and then you're like, you mean I get the other 90%? You mean, God, that's all you're asking for? Is that right? I get all of this for myself. And God says, yep. And this is what I've found, and it's true to my life, I can tell you. That 90% with God's blessing is better than you can do with 100% without His blessing. 
90% is better with his blessing than 100% without his blessing. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. I'd like to have some pie. Anybody like some pie? Anybody? Raise your hand. All right, there you go. Anybody? How about over here? You want some pie, buddy? There you go. Okay. There you go. This is my dad. He's really old. There you go. Yeah. Folks, here's the truth. Here's the truth. If you wait until you can afford to tithe, guess what? You'll never do it. Because there will always be a reason to wait. Have you ever noticed this? That the more money, the more money you make is just more money that you spend. Like, for instance, I made $16,000 the very first year of our marriage. We make much more money than that now. And do you think our budget for expenses is the same? No, our expenses are much bigger now. If you wait until you can afford to tithe, you're probably never going to do it. Because here's the thing about money, folks. Money is never about money. Money is never about money. Money is about trust. What do I put my trust in? So God was teaching the Israelites to trust him more to increase their faith and that it would build their faith so they would live to give. Here's the fourth question. I get this a lot from people once they've started coming to church for a little while. They'll ask this question. Do I have to tithe on the net or on the gross? Do I have to tithe on the net or on the gross? And I always respond with the exact same answer every single time. I go, it depends. Do you want God to bless on the net or do you want God to bless on the gross? It's up to you. God doesn't care. He'll do it either way. But do you want him to bless on the net or bless on the gross? Fifth question. What happens if I tithe? The Bible is very, very clear about this. In Malachi chapter 3, God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. I want to give. I want to tithe. I want to live to give. And if you do that, he says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it all. Now, there is no verse probably in the Bible, that is more misinterpreted and distorted than this verse. Because what a lot of people do is they take this verse and they make it self-centered, like a tricky way to get rich. Have you ever seen those uh, uh, pastors uh, on television late at night and all of a sudden they're like, if you're struggling with something, you just send me some money. And if you'll send me some money... God will bless you. And what happens is a lot of people get sucked into this thinking, well, I'll get richer if I just give to God. I'll get richer and and things will be better. And this type of thinking is called the prosperity gospel, where basically 
If I just have enough faith, if I can just pray enough, if I uh, just give enough money, then God's going to make me rich and wealthy and I'll have everything I need in life and my health will not be bad. I'll never get sick. Everything will be good. And it's just a great distortion of this scripture. And it's extremely dangerous for people to go down that path. Rather, what this scripture says is this. That generosity is at the very heart of God. And because it's at his heart, it's just the way that the kingdom works. And when you step into generosity and there's this wave of a river, of a tide going through, and you step in the water of generosity, you're going with the tide that God has. And every time you step out and you're trying to go against it, you go against what God desires for your life. You know, there are so many people who have finally decided that they'll tithe. I I know so many people, they start with the percentage, they increased it until they tithed in our church. And if you ask them to describe the experience of tithing, what it would be like, they would say, I have been blessed. I have been blessed. As I have given, God has blessed my life. I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, who was a part of the church after the first year. So the first year came, his very first Sunday, this uh, curtain, we lifted it up. Everybody was just on this side. And the first Sunday, we lifted it up and we just had about half the chairs that we have right here. But we did that. And um, he's a numbers guy. He's always about numbers. And uh, in 2009, he lost his job and he was unemployed for seven months. And I asked him, I said, well, what's this do with your giving? To God, And he said, well, we, we've never really tithed. We've just given. And I said, well, I think you should continue to give and to see what God does. And so uh, he went ahead and uh, he kept giving during this time. And God finally opened the door to the best job that he's ever had. And since 2010, he's been employed by this same company. And so I asked him last year, I said, hey, I said, um, question for you, uh, how much are you guys giving now? Because, you know, God has blessed you with this job. And last year, because he's a number guy, he said this. He sent me a text. He get, said, we give 9.27%. Folks, who in the life has enough time to figure out 0.27%? percent. I'm like, I didn't even know how to respond. So I went back and I said, great, good job. I was like, you only have 0.73% left to get to the tide. Dude, just do it. So a couple weeks ago, I just asked him, I was like, dude, I talked to you. Are you tithing yet? You should be. God's blessed your life. And this is what he told me. He said, now I'm giving 10.72%. And this is what I wish. I wish I would have had one of those GoPro cams on my head and you could have seen his face when he said, I'm a part of the adventure now. I get to be a part of what God is doing in an amazing way in this church.
and the joy that came. And I remember him saying, you know, I didn't ever think I could afford to do it. I didn't. And then I did. And God has blessed us. And he said, this is the year that I've made more money than I've ever made in my life. And God continues to do that. I know a young couple in our church. Uh, Both of them work part-time. They don't make a lot of money. They lived in apartments for most of their marriage. And they wanted a house, and they had a kid. And I even said, I was like, hey, you guys are going to finally get a house? And they're like, well, it doesn't work in our budget right now because we're going to continue to tithe the God, and we're not going to mess with that. But right now, it doesn't work. And a couple of years ago, they purchased their first home. And I remember just the thought of it was that, they, they were like, we could have never afforded the house that we have had we not been on God's financial plan. If we weren't on his plan, we couldn't have done it, and they were able to. Last week, uh, my wife Jennifer and I, we received a letter from a young high school girl who wants to go on a mission trip. And she was asking for funds. And I read the letter, and I know her, and she's a great young girl. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, I want to do this. And so I was sitting down, and we have a giving account that we give from, and I was getting ready to write the check when all of a sudden, I just, because of what I was teaching on this week and because of how God has blessed our lives, it was like, here's the amount. And I was like, I'm going to double that amount. And I doubled that amount, and I sent it off. And she was at the first celebration today, and she came up, and she's like, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I was like, you know, that was so minimal for me. But here's the thing, folks. Have you ever noticed when you get a whole bunch of stuff and you get the stuff all around you, it doesn't fill your joy tank that much? I mean, it does for a while. You get a new car, you get a new this, you get a new that. And all of a sudden, you're but it doesn't last very long. But if you find someone to help or you give something away, my joy meter goes off the roof every time. And I can tell you, when I saw her this morning in the first celebration, and she was so excited, she's like, thank you so much. It was the greatest feeling that I could have had today. And secondly, because my youngest daughter has the flu, and she has a temperature of 103.5, and she's a nuisance right now, okay? She is sick, and they're all sick there. Folks, this is what I simply want to tell you today regarding this particular area. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? You know, irrational giving was such a part of the early church. Why? Because they had an example. In end zones, you'll see this all the time. There's a scripture verse, John 3.16. And it says this, that... God so loved the world that he what? What did he do? He gave. He gave his one and only son. And because of that, irrational giving flowed through the church and continues to go today. People just said, hey, I want to express my love and my joy through being generous because God's generous to me. We know what we trust in. We trust in Jesus because of what he did for us. You know, it's very ironic to me when it comes to money. But have you ever noticed this, that money will beg to have you trust it? It will beg to have you trust it. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. But have you ever looked 
on any of our dollar bills before, what's the one phrase that it says all the time? In God we trust. It's no accident. Because all the time the dollar is crying out, trust me, trust me, trust me. Here's question number six. What happens if I don't tithe? What happens if I don't? Well, God doesn't stand up in heaven and go, I'm going to cast a spirit on you. Boo! And all of a sudden your head blows up. You know what I mean? No, it, it's not like that. And God doesn't like remove his love because of that. But let me just put it this way. Behavior has consequences, right? Behavior has consequences. When you're tight-fisted and you hold on tightly to something, rather than having an open hand to give, you miss out on the joy of generosity and love, and you actually become more anxious, and you become more self-preoccupied every time you have a closed fist and you hold tightly to what you have rather than giving it freely. It's not an accident, folks, that the word miserable, in the midst of it, has a word, root word, called miser. Because to be a miser is to live in misery. Last question. What happens if I hear all of this stuff about tithing, but the honest truth is I'm just scared, stressed, Doubtful, uncertain, and freaked out by the whole idea of tithing. Well, God says this. It's an amazing thing. He says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What's the next four words? What's it say? Test me in this. This is the only place in all of Scripture that this is said. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. It's like God is saying, I know you're scared. I know you're anxious about it. I know you're like, ah, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to happen. But he's like, I'm so determined to make sure that you are generous people and you're not stingy and you're not tight-fisted that I will do something here that I've never invited anyone else to do throughout Scripture. The only place that God says this is here, and He says, test me in this. Now, in other places in the Bible, what's it say? It says, you shall not test the Lord your God. Jesus actually said, don't test God, don't do it. We're never to do that. But here, it's like God says, I'm so determined that you would become generous that I will humble myself. It's almost like one of those late night infomercials. Have you ever seen those before? Those guys are there and they're like, here, go ahead, you know, have 90 days. And if you don't like it, you can have your money back. And it's kind of like God saying, test me in this or have your money back. And see if I won't throw open the windows of heaven and pour down blessings. Just test me in this. Now, maybe you've never done this before you're, because you're thinking, man, I'm scared. It doesn't, doesn't seem like a good financial plan. So here's my challenge for those of you that are Christ followers. If you say, I follow Jesus, that over the next 90 days, I just want to challenge you to do this. 
to actually do the time. And if you're like, I don't even have a budget, take the financial peace class, learn how to do that. But I'm going to do this. And each Sunday, if you want, you can write a check. You can write, now if you're 30 years or under, a check is an old piece of paper (laughs) that people used to write on. And I, I still do this myself, so I'm old. And then you turn it in. Now, for some of you that are younger, you're like, hey, you know what? I don't give like that. I'd rather give on an app. And so we actually have a place on our app. Just go to the app store, the Jar Community Church. You can find it right there. And you can determine what you're going to give. And you can determine if you want to do it weekly or every two weeks or once a month, whatever. And you set that in there and then see what God might do in the next 90 days. And I'm telling you this. If he doesn't bless your life, if there's nothing that's changed and you do this regularly for 90 days, stop. Just stop. But in the next 90 days, if you see God show up in different ways, I would suggest that you keep on doing it. Because this is what is true. God can do more with 90% that is blessed than with you having 100% of the pie and doing it on your own. I'm going to invite uh, Derek to come up and he'll play some music under and I want to uh, lead us in a time of prayer. And let me say this. If you're new to this whole uh, church thing, you're new to this God thing, this whole tithing thing, this is what I want to tell you. Don't tithe. Don't worry about it. Don't freak out about it. If that's you, I get it. I understand. A person should never make a decision based on pressure. You should never make a financial decision based on pressure. Like my wife. Remember the cruise? $99. Don't do that, okay? Some of you, I'd encourage you to think about it, pray about it, think about it. Whatever you need to do. But for some of you in this place today... You could take that challenge and you would be amazed at what God could do in this next year. Again, folks, God can do more with 90% that is blessed than you can do with 100% on your own. Because one day, folks, we'll all stand before God. And there'll be many sins in my life that God will look at and he'll be like, oh man, you're messed up on this. But this is the one thing with tithing that I've learned. I can say, God, you can look at my bank account and you can see that I put you first. And I did in the first five years, God. I'm sorry I robbed you on that. But I started here and this is what I did. And I hope that many of you will take on this challenge. And rather than living in the moment or living and learning or living and dying, that you would learn to live to give. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a God of generosity. Thank you, God, that you are never holding things back from us that you love to give to your kids. You love to give the very best. 
You've given us all creation. You've given us our lives. You've given us our bodies. You've given us the very gift of Jesus Christ himself. God, you know how we all have a story when it comes to money. Places when we've been excited, places where we've been afraid, where we've been anxious, where we've been ashamed. But God, would you help us today to learn how to embrace the adventure of a generous life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Hi, everybody. I have just a few announcements for you before you leave today. Um, Your Connect card, Chris mentioned that earlier. It's up there on the screen. Again, this is just a way for us to connect with you, whether this is your first time here or you've been coming for years. We would love for you to fill that out. And just a reminder that if you are ready to take that financial peace class and get out of debt, um, that there's a box in the corner, a little blue box you can check, and you can uh, pass that in um, with the offering today. And um, again, if you don't have the the app, we'd love for you to download that. That's another way that you can fill out your Connect card. You can find that in the Play Store or the App Store. Well, at this time, I'd like to have the greeters come forward as we receive an offering. And um, if you're new here today, we don't want you to feel any pressure to give. We're more concerned about just getting to know you. But um, if the jar is your church home, then we encourage you to give generously today. Because just like Chris said, God can do so much with that 90% when he's blessed it. So please pray with me. God, we thank you so much that you are a generous God that loves us and takes care of us. And um, we know that you'll always provide. And so today we just want to give back to you with a generous heart um, because we love you so much. We pray that you would help us to um, use this offering to reach our community and to help love people into a relationship with you, Lord. Amen. Well, um, if you are new here today and haven't had a chance to do so yet, I want to invite you to stop by our guest connection table, which is right back there. And um, they've got a a free gift for you. and would love to welcome you here and answer any questions that you have. So make sure you stop by there. And um, today, if you're here and you have made a commitment, you've decided, you know what? I, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. This is, this is something that I believe in or, you know, I, I really am almost there and, and I'm ready to do that. Then there's a way um, that you can make that commitment um, and make it public and let, and let everyone know that that's what you want to do. And that's through baptism. And so um, we're going to have a baptism celebration right here at the Y in the pool in March. And if you are thinking about that, maybe you're not 100% sure about baptism, but um, you're you're ready to do that, then um, on next week, uh, February 25th, right after church, will be a baptism class. We'll have lunch provided for you. There'll be child care. Um, And Chris will just be there to teach um, about what baptism is and and help you to make that decision um, for that commitment. So um, if if you want to take that baptism class, you can sign up on the app. You can also head right over to the resource table after church um, today and, and sign up for that. And just a reminder today um, that if you want to take that, that Financial Peace University, it's just such an awesome class. Shane is right over there at the table. Um, he'd love to talk to you about that and get you signed up for that. Well, um, at this time, I'd like to have our prayer team come up. And um, if you have anything that you need prayer for today, they will be here and they would love to pray with you today. And um, maybe you're here and you have never had a relationship with God. You've never made that commitment. 
and um, today you're ready. You're ready to give your life to him. Then you can do that today um, if you just head right back to the corner where Abby is. And um, she would love to pray with you. And she has a little gift for you and a Bible. And um, just to kind of welcome you and encourage you for that. So um, feel free to, to head back to that table or come up here to these prayer people if you have any prayer needs. Okay, let's stand uh, as we close. Well, this week, uh, this is your challenge. Live to give. Don't just live in the moment. Don't live to learn. Don't live to die. Live to give. And remember, God can do more with 90% that is blessed by him than 100% that you try to do it on your own. Uh, If you'd like prayer for anything, these folks would love to pray with you. Uh, If you want to accept Christ for the first time, go to the back table. Otherwise, have a great week, everybody. Uh, Know that you're loved in this place.